Factory Stock Podcast is back. Episode 4, The Winner. Drew Skillman, winner of the 50th Amelie Motor Oil NHRA Gator Nationals, joins us to talk about his massive victory. And he starts off talking about the category. Man, I, I can't tell you how good the fan reception was. Um, like you said, I've been in pro stock for four years, and I've had more people tell me that this is the class they like the best. That They keep telling me over and over again, the fans, this is the best class right now. Skillman goes in depth on his victory and the performance of his Cobra Jet Mustang. Skillman also talks about the rules changes we'll discuss momentarily. Also on the show, David Barton, hard contact with the right side wall. Barton goes in depth about the car and, frankly, what he thinks happened. It was definitely an exciting race, though. You know, we both left the line. I could see I had half a car length on him, and he kind of just disappeared. I'm like, I got this guy. You know, threw it in third gear. Next thing you know, I'm in the wall. I mean, I, I'm, I, I've been racing for 20 years now, and I'm, I'm still blown away by how quickly it all happened. David Barton gives his thoughts on the rules changes and reveals which car he'll be racing at race two of the Samtech factory stock showdown season. Also on the show, from the Dodge camp, DNQ in race one, but they are not giving up. The Cowboy, Mark Powick, talks about the class of drag racing that brought him out of retirement. I do believe it's a class of the future. I think it has a lot of potential. The amount of fans that come up to me both as you know, being a, a pro stock racer years ago, and then just talking about how cool this class is and how they can relate to it. I think there's a lot of potential here. And the biggest thing of all, as you know, is all three of the major manufacturers are involved. And, and that, that just speaks tremendously of, of the opportunities that I think are available in this factory stock class. These guests and more, including Brian Massengill from the School of Automotive Machinists and Technology and audio from Pro Stock Race winner Bo Butner, who failed to qualify in his first attempt at Samtech Factory Stock Showdown. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review. This show is on Apple Podcasts and soon to be wherever you get your podcast. I'm Joe Costello. Get in, sit down, hold on, get ready, because Factory Stock Podcast is coming at you. Drew Skillman, David Barton, Mark Powick, Bo Butner, Brian Massengill, all lie ahead on Factory Stock Podcast. And it's all brought to you by the School of Automotive Machinists and Technology. Start your education at full speed. Accelerate your career as a high-performance engine builder with classroom instruction and practical hands-on experience in the lab, on the dyno, and at the track. In addition to blockhead and CNC programs, Sam now offers motorsport EFI tuning and an associate of applied science degree. Sam is a military-friendly school approved to train veterans and other eligible persons under the GI Bill. Start your education at full speed. Go to samtech.edu today. And a whole lot of Samtech graduates out there working in Factory Stock Showdown. Let's get into it with the race one winner. He won the 50th Amelie Motor Oil NHRA Gator Nationals race one of Factory Stock 2019. Drew Skillman joins us now. Drew, congratulations. Thank you, man. That was a good win to have. Yeah. Good way to start the season. Great way to start the season. Let's just divorce ourselves from your victory, though. The whole way the class was um, hyped and accepted and the fans, I want your overview on that before we talk about any specific performances. Did you feel something different, increased, like a bigger deal? You've run pro stock. You've won the biggest races. So what, what do you think about what's going on here with factory stock? I think factory stock is the future of pro stock personally. Um, man, I, I can't tell you how good the fan reception was. Um, like you said, I've been in pro stock for four years and I've had more people tell me that this is the class they like the best that they keep telling me over and over again, the fans, this is the best class right now. And I, I agree with them. That's the reason I got into it. Uh, you know, I, I have an opportunity to still run pro stock. It just, the schedule's a little too much and the, it quit being as fun. And I looked at this deal, and this looks like an absolute blast. And 
there's still a lot of development to be done. And that's the fun part about drag racing is learning how to get better and uh, continually to grow. And this class has a ton of room for growth. And that, that's what's so exciting about it. And you're a car dealer. Like, it, to me, it wasn't lost that in the in the final round, we had a couple of car dealers that at some level are going to try to sell cars just like what they're racing. Maybe not a seven-second car, but as far as the windshield and the A-pillar and the B-pillar and the fenders and everything on there, when some 19-year-old girl rolls off the lot in a six-cylinder Mustang that looks just like what you drove, there's something to that. Absolutely. Um, it, it's something for the fans to relate to. Um, these are real cars. These cars are real bodied cars. They come from the factory. There is nothing, there's no boogity fogity. It's, it is a real race car and it's a real car you can buy. Um, and these cars are available to the public. If you have the money and, uh, are willing to, you know, put in the time, you can buy one, one of the cover jets. I mean, these cars aren't unattainable. The uh, dealers have them and they're there for sale. Amazing, amazing. Now, you mentioned Pro Stock, and of course, your career in Pro Stock, uh, big U.S. Nationals victory. Those cars are quicker. And um, I felt like what we experienced was very important. People love the seven second number. The number, you know, people have said, well, you know, eight seconds, seven seconds. And to me, as someone who is a lifelong drag racing fan, there is a huge difference between 799 and 800 in the psychology of the fans. So we had our first all seven second field. All the offseason changes brought us about, let's call it, you know, a couple of tenths on average quicker. But I feel like that added a lot for the excitement. Absolutely. Um, I understand NHRA's concern. Uh, safety is a huge part of this. Um, these cars are heavy. And unfortunately, like, like all motorsports, there's a, there is a licensing process, but that's not exactly hard to get. So um, if you want to buy one, you can buy one and get in it. it uh, these cars drive pretty darn nice. I, I think they need to be an all-seven-second field. I think staggering them back to eight seconds is a mistake, but you know what? It's NHRA's ball diamond, and we, we all come here to play on it. So if that's what they want to do, we'll give it a try and see how the class develops. And if it's not worth a darn, you know, we, we have to make changes. And I think NHRA is willing to make the changes they need to do. Yeah, as the season goes on, I think they'll make the correct changes. And I, I we had a little bit of parity issue there. Um, I think it's a little ridiculous they changed the rules this quick into the season. But, uh, you know, something needed to happen. I just didn't think it needed to happen quite as quickly as it did. Did let stuff shake out a little bit. I think the Dodges are a bit faster than what they're letting out. And I, I think the Chevys are a little bit faster. I think they have a cylinder head problem right now. And once they get that lined out, they're going to be just as fast, if not faster, than the Fords. Interesting. Yeah, we'll talk about the specifics of, because uh, you guys losing like 17% overdrive, which the Chevys are losing 10, the Dodges are not losing anything, and we're going to delve into that, because um, we want everybody to be up to speed on the rules of this category, and everybody understand, because apparently it's going to change on a regular basis, Drew, depending on how things go, until they find the magic uh, parity uh, combination, which I'm all excited about getting there, but it doesn't matter for this one. Yeah. You won this race, and it started off with a round That's one funny. victory over Leonard uh, Libisher. It was funny how it was like Skillman's versus Libisher in the first round. Yeah, um, we, I've, I've said this before, we did not do a great job qualifying. Um, it's our first time racing on a sports and ladder like this, and we just, we screwed it up. We ended up racing each other second round, my father and myself, and just kind of a mistake we made there. And we're going to get better at it. We got some learning to do. We're still, uh, you know, trying to hash out. I got a brand new race car. And for a brand new race car to come out and perform the way it did, I am so impressed with my guys' work. Um, all the guys in the shop worked tirelessly for five weeks. We got that car and completely took it apart and started over in a five-week period. So I couldn't be any prouder of those guys to get that do that deal done and out to test that quickly. Yeah, you, well, the whole the, the excitement of the testing numbers coming out, that is uh, something we don't hear all the time, and some big-time passes. So first round, you're able to get down through there, 775-9, take down Leonard. Your dad takes down Scott. You guys got to run each other. Had that, uh, had that happened before, you and your dad heads up to the finish line? Um, I, I want to say we have somewhere maybe like stock, a long time ago, but this is the first true heads up race against each other. Um, it's always exciting. You don't want to do it second round ever, but 
it's the nature of the beast and we're both very competitive we want to win uh i told him the night before you know i, I appreciate him showing up this weekend but his, his weekend's over but <laughs> you know <laughs> and luckily it, it panned out it was a close race i think that was a great race for the series i i think that's what it needs to look like close racing is good racing to me um we need to do wheelies. We need to have fast seven-second passes, and it needs to be competitive for everybody. You know, we need all three manufacturers to be good. And I'm looking forward to this series. I really think they could have a great, long-lasting series with this deal. I agree. I agree. Yeah, you're 041. Your dad's 042. You're 70. Uh, what? What? A 73 with a three, and he's 73 with a six. And from what I recall, because it's all a blur looking back. But that was the quickest and fastest runs side by side at the time. You know, quickest run beats second yeah. quickest run. And that is exactly the point. And uh, the fans were going wild. Um, but you were able to advance to a uh, Fords versus Copos semifinal. And that's exactly the fun. The Chevrolet guys, they weren't quite as quick, but they had something to root for. So Stephen Bell is able to get around Carl Taskin when Carl rolls through the stage beams. And you took down Randy Taylor, who didn't get down the racetrack, 71 with an 8 at 176.44. Take me on that pass, Drew. You've driven quick and fast cars. Does that feel like the quickest and fastest run of all time? Like, what does it feel like driving this full-bodied 3,500-pound car to a 771 with an 8? You know, these cars are uh, definitely pigs. They're heavy, um, almost 3,600 pounds. You can tell when you're on a good pass with them because they start to shake a little bit, and they're they're definitely getting after it. These things make pretty darn good power for what they have, and it, it's all factory stuff. It It's a really neat, neat deal. The cars are just incredibly balanced. They're still smooth, even at, you know, 175 miles an hour. They're smooth race cars. They've really done their homework. Ford did a hell of a job developing this car. Uh, I couldn't be any more impressed. I think it is amazing to watch the cars because they're so real-looking because uh, they're real cars. That's the whole point. It's it's hard to wrap your mind around. They're real cars, yeah. real Ford Mustangs. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a factory engine. I mean, you can buy all those parts from your Ford dealer. Yeah. There is nothing on there that's magic. There's nothing there that's, you know, one-off. That's production stuff. You can buy it yourself as any consumer. Crazy. Just insane. So final round, you and Stephen Bell, the two car dealers. Uh, Stephen with a 788.7, last year's winner. But you, you know, pretty much blew him out of the water uh, by a 10th, 773.6. You guys had the consistency and got the job done. Gator Nationals winner, someone who has won the U.S. Nationals. What does it feel like to win this Gator Nationals 50th anniversary after a season of hype? Uh, you know what? That That's a cool race, man. Anytime you can win a uh, anniversary race, it's always something a little special. Um, I'll be the only one ever to win the 50th, and that that's kind of cool. Um, stuff like that keeps you excited to go racing again the next weekend, and we, we're very excited. We got some more development stuff we're going to work on. We're not going to let this rule change, you know, kind of hold us back. We're just going to work harder, and I think everyone else is too. I think these Chevy guys are out working today, and I know we're working today, and I hope the Mopar guys are developing a new car so they can get back in the fight. Well, exactly. And and um, a lot of people, let's let's delve now into the rules change. So uh, the rules makers, basically, we kind of knew that this was going to happen at some point, but it happened immediately. Yeah. You guys lose some overdrive. The Chevys lose some overdrive. The Challengers pretty much uh, staying with what they got. Uh, 17%, you, you said eight O's. How much do you think that's going to slow you down? Like, I really think it's important to still be in the sevens. What is your, you know, did you run a simulation or a calculation or anything that could give us some insight into what it's going to do? You know, it only time will tell. We just started dynoing yesterday with it. Um, we think we're going to be okay. I don't think we're going to lose too much. Um, we just got time will tell. We got to get out on the track and actually run it. Dyno numbers are they're great and all. It's good to get a baseline, but until you run it, you really can't say. I still think we're going to be in the seven-second zone. Um, we just we're going to have to go back to the drawing board and kind of figure out where we're going to find the performance again. Um, we have no intentions of running eight O's. Right. <laughs> so we're, we're going to keep we're going to keep pushing. Um, what we're going to find where the weak links are in this system, and you know we're going to improve on them. That is spectacular. Now, uh, this podcast is going out to people who are 
diehard for this category, right? Like separated from everything else we've done with my WFO stuff so that fans of Factory Stock can come to a podcast and hear only about Factory Stock. You dove into this category. Your dad is in this category. There's over 30 cars trying to qualify. We've already talked about the future and all of that. Um, what do you think is an area of these cars that we should uh, continuously focus on, Drew? Is it the engines and, and, and the way you guys are making the power? Is it the personalities that are behind this class? Because there are all kinds of different uh, people that are diving in. But for the listeners and people who are young in their in their knowledge and interest of factory stock, what do you think are the uh, continuous points of interest that are going to drive the class forward? Um, I think it's simple. Keeping manufacturers involved. Keep these things factory. It has to be a factory race car. It has to be something that a consumer can buy. It has to be something relatable. Um, that's what makes this deal fun. Um, I do this because I want to race with my dad and my grandfather. I don't make any money racing. All I do is spend money racing. So we do this to spend time together and to compete. We all like to compete. We're in a very competitive business. We, that's just what we enjoy doing. And uh, it, it's, it's supposed to be fun. It has to be fun. And I, I think it's something that you're going to see a lot of families do. There's a lot of father-sons out there working together, and the kids are starting to drive now. And I think it's exciting. I think it's a breath of fresh air for the NHRA. I mean, when was the last class that they had 30 people show up, you know, the second year in? Right. It's, it's, it's in a heads-up class. It, it's stronger than any other pro class right now, in my opinion. And it, I know it's not a pro class. It's not going to be a pro class, and I think that's for the good. But I, I think I think the fans can get behind these race cars. The personalities are definitely there. If you've ever walked to the pits and talked to some of these guys, they're characters. And uh, my family definitely has a little bit of personality as well once you get to know us. And it, it's, it's going to be a handful. I think you're going to see some drama back and forth between the manufacturers, and I think that's what we need. Do you get a call from someone in Dearborn when you win the first factory stock showdown race? Like, I'm wondering, are executives at Ford monitoring this battle and happy, excited, and proud that the Blue Oval took race one? Uh, the people at Ford, they're great partners to work with. Um, like I said, we're in business with them. We sell their cars new, and we're in business with them in the racing side. Um, they're fantastic to work with. Um, they, they support us wholeheartedly. If we need something, they, they take care of us. They, they bend over backwards to get us parts, and I know they do that for other racers too. It's not just us because we're a Ford dealer. They want us to succeed. They want all of our, their product to be in the winner's circle, and they stand behind it. They, they do a heck of a job. If there's a part shortage, they keep you up to date when it's going to come in, and they work hard to make sure you have it for the weekend. Um, a countless amount of parts they overnight me. It's, it's unbelievable how much they work. So, Well, Drew, congratulations. Next race, race two, Charlotte. And you guys have some time. It's a good schedule. We've got a little time to find some power and sort out this new combination. And we'll, uh, we'll go again and see what happens. But I agree. This has been so exciting to watch uh, familiar faces. Like the fact that you have won the U.S. Nationals in pro stock. And now you're delving into this. The fact that Bo is in this. The fact that Leah is in this. The fact that Kevin Helms is in this. That Mark Powick is in this. That Alan Johnson is in this. In addition to all the other uh, people and characters, it's going to make it a lot of fun. I wish you luck all season long. Hey, no problem. I think you're going to see more and more pros come into this deal. Um, it is fun. And that's what racing needs to be. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of people move over. Great news, great news. Drew, thank you very much. Congratulations. Hey, do you have different social media for your factory stock, like fans of the factory stock team? They want to keep up with exactly what you're doing. Is there uh, one or another place that they could go to follow along uh, in addition to listening to this podcast? Still, Drew Skillman, athlete on Facebook. Um, all of our stuff will be ran through there for my father and myself. Well, it will eventually be the Ray Skillman Motorsports team page. Um, it should be changing over probably this week to that, but it is me still. And uh, we'll cover all the Skillman family racing and are behind the scenes a little bit on the uh, showdown stuff. Awesome. Drew, congratulations on winning the 50th Amelie Motor Oil NHRA Gator Nationals in Factory Stock Showdown. Thank you. Great job. Appreciate it. 
Thanks, Drew. Drew Skillman, race one winner, the 50th, Amelie Motor Oil NHRA Gator Nationals. Loving the category, loving his Cobra Jet Mustang, a brand new car. We have got David Barton we're going to have on the show. You're going to hear from Mark Powick. So you Dodge fans are going to find out what's up with the program. David Barton's going to talk about his Camaro. Will he run that same car the remainder of the year? We are going to find that out. You'll hear audio from Bo Butner, who won Pro Stock. He didn't make the show in factory stock. He won in Pro Stock. But next up, from the School of Automotive Machinists and Technology, Brian and Massengill, and we are going to break down this rules change, a parity adjustment, Brian, to affect all the cars and hopefully bring the field closer together. This was not unexpected. No, Joe, how are you? Um, we we kind of knew this. There were people clamoring after testing and, and after the NMCA race uh, for some adjustments to be made, and I knew that uh, I kind of figured the NHRA wouldn't make any adjustments until something happened under their watchful eye on at one of their events or at one of their races because um, the drivers, you know, sometimes there's some, some shenanigans and testing to get people worried and make them uh, start uh, working even harder or trying to find that extra horsepower here or there um, that uh, if it's not under an NHRA tech official's watch, then uh, you can't really change anything to your rules. Um, but, yeah, it, you know, the new rules are out. Um, I, I you know, I'm in Division Four, and there's a lot of Division Four racers um, that also race in the showdown. And we had a race this past weekend in Houston, and um, I, uh, I I had to listen to them for a minute, express their concerns uh, because they're all Copo racers. Got it. Well, let's read the email that came out from Jeff Connolly, the NHRA Director of Technical Services. And it is a very uh, prototypical rules change email in that it's, uh, you know, nothing extra, just the facts. Based on samtech.edu NHRA factory stock showdown performance numbers from the first race of the 2019 season, the NHRA Technical Department is increasing the supercharger top pulley size on the 2019 Copo 350 combination from 3.35 inches to 35 500 inches and the 2019 Cobra Jet 327 combination from 3.25 inches to 3.50 inches. This will decrease the 2019 Copo combination supercharger overdrive from 147.5% to 136.6% overdrive or 10.9%. Additionally, this will decrease the 2019 Cobra Jet 327 combination supercharger overdrive from 146.2% to 128.6% or 17.6%. As a reminder, no other changes may be made to all approved superchargers, including but not limited to upper or lower pulley sizes, gear ratios, cases, rotors, etc., all other permitted combinations in samtech.edu NHRA factory stock showdown will remain unchanged. This rule will go into effect immediately. NHRA reserves the right in the future to make additional rules changes to control performance and maintain parity in the category, says NHRA Director of Technical Services Jeff Connolly in a widely spread email throughout all the teams. So the numbers that matter, 17.6% less Overdrive for the Copo uh, for the Cobra Jets rather, and ten point nine percent less for the Copos. Dodge is unaffected, and this is the result of the performance in race one. Uh, yeah, it was kind of a little shocking to see that um, the the Copos really do feel the Copo racers and teams they they feel like they were dinged um, a lot more than even though the numbers clearly say that the Ford is uh, is getting. Um, hit worse with that 17.6%. Um, that nothing happened. You know, every everybody needs to kind of get back to the middle. And Leah was our number six qualifier in her Dodge, so it shows that the Dodges can run these numbers. Of you know, I, I think she was a, um, a 785 uh, in in her last round of qualifying, and then right after her, Mark Powick went and he spun the tires and. And then right after him, uh, Alan Johnson went, and, and he spun the tires. And then right after um, Alan was Bo Butner, and he spun the tires. So, you know, the lane kind of went away there. Um, when three cars are spinning the tires, it, it shows that, you know, um, there was something wrong with the setup. But 
Leah running that eight or that sorry that seven eighty five number that shows that the Dodgers are there um, that they can be there and they Leah qualified quicker and and faster than uh, any of the Copos so it is kind of a interesting number I know that the NHRA you know they kind of take the averages of all of the passes and so that number gets the first and worst pass get thrown out and um, and so when you have so many Copos you're you're going to have this okay there's a group of guys and that are racing these cars that are all at that 787 number and so the quickest one Randy Taylor's quickest pass gets thrown out and you know I I think that um, like I said I think this kind of maybe hurts the Copos more than anything else Um, it seems like they're going to be slowed down from a number that they weren't able to reach where Leah clearly was able to reach so the Dodgers have that ability to get there Um, and maybe this will pull the Fords back down not 100% sure on that yet. I know that, uh, like I said, there's just there's a lot of upset Copo racers right now. I can imagine. But uh, let me just delve into it, and I would hope that everybody is listening, right? Everybody in the class, in the category, everybody that works in a car, in a garage, in a shop, in a factory is uh, trying to keep up with what everybody says and thinks. And, you know, at some point, whenever you got multiple combinations, there is going to be what we could call politicking or we could call it whining and crying you know we could call it whatever we want to call it uh the sample size isn't big enough yet that's what's going on here first of all you had one run by a challenger that was the perfect run she had a 115 60 foot it was nuts when it came up on the screen i was like oh my gosh that's the quickest 60 foot we've seen uh pretty much all weekend and she got the power to the ground and nobody else did all right that's fine but we're only one race in to a new universe of combinations and so this is step one and yeah maybe they are i was a little surprised too like why are the copos getting hit but after race two i have no doubt that if they need to make another adjustment they will and they will get this thing to where it needs to be i just think it's hard to do that after only one race uh, i agree with you 100 percent, joe this is like you said small sample size especially with the small number of dodges that we have uh, entered for the last race. We had three. Um, you have a lot more forwards and a lot more copos, so there's a lot more information out there, a lot more passes that these cars are making uh, compared to the dodges. But it is also one race, um, and so th- it is going to take some time to get it all right and figure everything out. Um, you know, there's some rumblings that the Fords hadn't found all their power yet and, and that they're going to be able to keep making more and more power and that this really isn't going to hurt them that bad. Um, you know, we'll see that come Charlotte. Uh, but there's, you know, there's, there's really, it, it, you said it perfectly, that this is a small sample size. Yes, and we'll just have to wait and see. But uh, one thing that we learned in the first couple of shows here on Factory Stock Podcast is that the rules makers were not going to be afraid to dive immediately in and make some changes here and there to... Uh, keep parity in the class. And so the Fords jumped out on in front. Drew Skillman said he knows it. He obviously wish it would stay the same so that they can continue to go out there and have success. At the same time, the uh, Challengers and the Copos weren't quite there for many reasons. Of course, the Ford guys are saying they're not working hard enough, right? <laughs> or, or our uh, engineering is better. And isn't that the fun of it all? Like, that's the point. Uh, the comparisons of the engineering might and the intelligence of the people at these factories when filtered through the racers, that's why the class is going to be popular. That's it. That is it. You know, and there's a lot of, you know, um, unlike ProMod, our, our classes, uh, you know, has a lot more to do with the factories. Um, you know, whether that's FCA or, or GM or Ford, it's, it is a very factory-based class, and so there's still, like you said, there's always going to be the politicking. This isn't a nitrous versus turbo versus blower category. This is everyone's got a blower um, and Detroit power uh, under the hood. So it it is a little different, and there is a lot of different politicking, like you said. And that is just going to be part of it? 
and that is part of racing and always has been, and I actually find it to be interesting and exciting. It's just something extra to cover. So, Brian, uh, this is kind of the end of the first chapter of the 2019 season of Samtech Factory Stock Showdown and, of course, our Factory Stock podcast. We are now four episodes in. If this is your first episode that you're listening to, I recommend going back and listening from the beginning. Now, our next episode will be prior to... Charlotte, a week or two in advance. And what I would like to do is delve into some of the uh, electronic fuel injection that is used on these cars, maybe uh, connect with one of the rules makers to understand like how they police the category. Uh, this is something that I would hope that our, our listeners reach out to us and they can email me, joe at wforadio.com. I'm sure can get in touch with you as well. Um, we want to we wanna delve into what the listeners want to hear, but I think there's so much interesting aspects so many different interesting aspects to these cars in addition to the driver personalities we're going to have plenty to cover in the coming episodes i agree joe um this is a really fascinating class and how the nhra is policing this is is uh something that the fans kind of need to know about um if you get on the message boards it it is very chevy versus ford versus mopar or uh mopar can't get a break and this is the same thing they've been doing for 68 years and you know, um, just message board stuff. And I, I want to be as transparent with this class as possible or as at least as transparent as the NHRA and the manufacturer, manufacturers um, will let us be. And so, I, you know, we're, we're working to get, um, you know, like you said, some of these rule makers on the show, all of that has to be approved by uh, NHRA and, and things like that. So um, we are working and we, you know, I, I kind of talked to some fans uh, to see, okay, what do you want to hear about? And, and uh, you know, give Joe, shoot Joe an email, and, and we'll get to the storylines you want to know about. Simple as that. And uh, on this show, you're going to hear David Barton going to talk about his car, obviously that horrific crash, but uh, what he's going to do with the car and if it's going to make it to the next race. Also, uh, going to hear a little audio from Bo Butner, who was able to win in pro stock and did not qualify first race out. He's going to tell us exactly why he thinks that is. And Mark Powick. So on to this show, you'll hear a Ford, a Chevy, and a Dodge driver uh, as we delve deeper into the factory stock showdown. Now, I also noticed, and let me ask you real quick, like on the Facebook people out there, there is a factory stock showdown Facebook page, Brian, and uh, they can see it because it's, uh, you know, I think it's Aaron Stanfield doing the mega burnout from the Gator Nationals a year ago. All kinds of great clips from the category. That is a great way to get a little closer as well yes it is um you know we've got uh city glenn doing some photography for us and obviously there's uh uh you know ford has their people out there evan smith taking great great photos from the starting line so there's we did a lot of wheel stands um and these are some gorgeous cars if you haven't um if you haven't followed us on facebook we are facebook.com slash factory stock showdown uh we're on instagram at factory stock showdown and we're on twitter at Factory Stock Show, S-H-O, uh, because Twitter has a restriction on the number of characters you can have in your name. There it is. So follow us. There's different content on all of them. We try to get everything up, but sometimes it's easier to get a link to the podcast via Twitter or a link to a hot rod story that uh, they just ran about the class. So there's a lot of great news, great information, um, and, and some uh I'll just say banter in the comment sections on things. I don't know if I want to call it great banter, but there's some banter in the comment sections that, yes. uh, that's really driving, that's really helping drive the class. Banter. Well, exactly. And as we get ready for opening day baseball, imagine the, you know, the banter between those uh, Red Sox, Yankees, and Astros fans about who's going to do better, right? They, they just that's apply it, it to, to this. And it's Chevy, gonna... Ford, and Dodge. That's, that's it right there. There it is. There it is. Brian, great job as usual. Uh, congratulations on the launch of the 2019 season. So much work going on behind the scenes with testing in the first race, and now it is in the books, and we've heard from our winner, and uh, it is going to be great. Next race, Charlotte, and we'll have you back. All right, sounds good. Thanks for having me, Joe. Brian Massengill with us here on Factory Stock Podcast, the School of Automotive Machinists and Technology out there in full force at the Gator Nationals. All right, let's keep on going. Next up, he was one of the stars of the 50th Amelie Motor Oil NHRA Gator Nationals for reasons that I know he is not happy about. But we're going to get the lay of the land right now with David Barton, David's second appearance here on our Factory Stock Podcast. This is not the way you wanted it to go, David. Uh, how are you doing, first of all? I'm doing all right. Um, overall, I mean, the, the car 
really wasn't all that bad after after stripping down everything. I mean, obviously it's bad, but it's not not as bad as it could have been. Um, I I, th- I think there's plenty of time to get ready for for Charlotte, so I, I think we're we're okay in that respect. Uh, but there's no doubt we're licking our wounds over here, you know. But uh, things happen. That's how drag racing goes sometimes. Good good news. So the headline then is you're going to be trying to run the same car at race two. Uh, as opposed to a backup or something from last year, there was some speculation immediately afterwards. Absolutely. Um, you know, like I said, after stripping it down, I'm, I'm blown away by how well the car stayed intact. I mean, the, the, the way they designed those cars to just absorb everything is amazing. Um, you know, at first glance, I was like, oh, my God, the whole front end is ruined, you know, but strip it down and, and it's actually pretty nice. Wow. Yeah, it did look like it absorbed some energy. Let's go back to that moment because it was just an awesome race in that the <laughs> battle of the engine builders, the battle of the manufacturers. Mm-hmm. You got Ford versus Chevy. You got you versus Chris. You guys took off together. He spun the tires, and uh, thank goodness for it, because if he was a little further up, we could have had a two-car incident. Your car appeared to really be getting after it, but mm-hmm. we could see on the Sunoco Vision something like coming out from under the right bank. Were you ever able to isolate what that was? Yeah, we were definitely having some head gasket issues, and we knew it on every single run. And uh, I definitely poured the coals to it on that run. You know, I, I figured, well, Chris Holbrook's no uh, no slouch, so I better step it up a notch. And, and it just made a bad situation worse. And, uh, you know, I'm kind of sorry I ever made the run, but, you know, I'm not sure what to say about it. You know, we uh, should have kept it parked, but how many people would have made that decision? I, I don't really know, but it was definitely an exciting race though. You know, we both left the line. I could see I had half a car length on him and he kind of just disappeared. I'm like, I, I got this guy, you know, threw it in third gear. Next thing you know, I'm in the wall. I mean, I, I'm, I, I've been racing for 20 years now and I'm, I'm still blown away by how quickly it all happened. I mean, I was just, you know, like I said, put it in third gear. And then next thing I knew, my head's hitting a roll bar. It's like, holy crap. It's, wow. uh, it's no joke how fast that stuff can happen. I, I can't even imagine when it's like driving a top fuel car or something. I mean, that's it's got to be in, really intense. In this particular case, though, you had liquid go under your right rear tire immediately. So that was like a snap turn that you took. Um, other than like, you know, cutting down a tire or breaking an axle or something, that's about uh, as quick as it's going to happen. And, um, fortunately yep. the car stayed flat and you, you had a flat spin and was no other contact with Chris. Thank goodness. And we got to see you get out immediately. Yeah. It could have been a lot worse. You know, I could have run right into the side of Chris or Chris could have run right into the side of me and could have rolled over, could have, could have done a lot of bad things, but you know, luckily I walked away and. And, uh, you know, time marches on. Time marches on to the next race, I guess. Yes. So Drew Skillman wins the race, runs 71 with an 8. Uh, Paul Roderick put up a 3, uh, but uh, put up a 179.33. And uh, mm. now, now there are rule changes, right? They've backed down yep. the uh, overdrive 17% approximately for the Fords, 10% approximately mm. for the Camaros, and the Dodges are staying in position. What is your assessment of these rules changes? Uh, you know, just right, need to do more, didn't do enough. And what do you think it's going to do for the performance of your car? Well, we, we talked about it a few weeks ago before Gainesville, and it pretty well panned out the way I thought it was going to. You know, we all, you know, judging by testing and stuff, the Fords looked like they had us by almost a tenth, and then we might have had the Dodges by a few hundredths or maybe half a tenth. Um, I, I have to say, I, a lot of people are freaking out because they didn't slow down the Dodges at all, but realistically, the last session of qualifying when Leah ran 85, I think it was a lot of the fast copos really didn't make a clean run down a track. You know, I'm not, I know I didn't. And, uh, a few other guys didn't as well. So, um, their, their rule changes or, or the pulley change, I think is actually going to be pretty close. Um, sure. I'd like to see the Dodges a little slower, but you know, they, they need to stay in the race as well. So I, I think it's pretty fair. Good. Well, good, good. And that and that's the thing. No panic. Right. Like we're just uh, we're sorting it out. Clearly, the Fords had a bit of an advantage at this race, but we all knew they got more cubic inches. They got a new supercharger and uh, it showed on the racetrack. The all seven second field, 
you know, what was the uh, the feedback you were getting throughout the weekend from fans, from people about the historic nature of this uh, event? Uh, I don't know. It, it, it was uh, not really a surprise because everyone saw these amazing runs during testing and, and especially the NMCA. So it, it was really no surprise how fast they were going to go. So um, it, it's kind of a letdown to the, the Chevrolet guys because they're so far behind. But, you know, we, we didn't give up. You know, we gave it all we got. And I think we put on a good showing. We had uh, we had four cars ourselves out of our shop qualify, which is pretty stout, and in the thir- thirty-one or thirty-two cars that were entered. So we're we're happy. We're moving on, and uh, we'll, we'll keep at it. We're we're certainly not done yet either. I mean, we're blowing the head gaskets out of the motor. If we figure that out, I'm sure it'll be quicker. Right. So we're, we we had to kind of lay back and kind of just tone it down because we knew what was coming. So. And uh, let's talk about the head gasket problem as much as you can. First of all, I understand that there's proprietary aspects of it and speed secrets Mm -hmm. and all of that stuff. But at the same time, uh, we said it on last week's show, Brian Massengill mentioned, you know, we're redefining what stock is here. Like, you know, these parts, uh, you guys are doing stuff with them that uh, the factory envisioned a boosted power plant, but trying to ring 1400 horsepower in competitive situation this is what competition does it improves the breed so what uh what can you do what can be done to improve this situation well we, we definitely hit a brick wall but uh it's just another chapter in the book of going quicker and drag racing right so we're uh i mean we, we have a few ideas that i don't really want to talk about that i think are going to help um uh, keep it under control at, at least in the meantime chevrolet is working on on their end to develop new parts and stuff to, to kind of fix this, uh, the situation. But, um, unfortunately the, their solution won't be available till maybe mid summer. So we, we have to kind of battle through the next few races and, and just, uh, do what we can to keep it under control. And, and I'm sure the pulley change is definitely going to tone it down too. I mean, the pulley deal, uh, by decreasing it is, is going to be what, uh, I don't know, probably a, 130 140 horsepower loss so i'm sure that's going to help keep it under control as well ah there it is that makes perfect sense so now this is not even just a parity rule it's a safety rule and uh it makes sense uh i thought the first race went great i know obviously it wasn't the best thing for you and your car but at the same time a highlight reel moment that got everybody talking about factory stock showdown so you you kind of took one for the team a little bit Mm mm-hmm yeah, I'd, I'd hate to be the guy that that uh, spun it out, but um, that, that's just the way it goes. You know, I, I just got to look past it and move on. You know, I can't sit here and cry about it. We have some races to win, so it is what it is. It is what it is. David, thank you very much for making the time for Factory Stock Podcast. You've been, like, on several times, and that's the whole point. We're going in-depth in this class and this category. The fans are super excited. And, uh, you know, the battles from the agony to the ecstasy, we know we're going to see in the winner's circle at some point. And uh, moments like this, you know, will be uh, in context when that happens. Thank you very much for making the time. I really appreciate it. Thanks for calling me. Thank you, David. Of course, they like getting called now, right? When the podcast is new and fresh in the season, wait till they're in the midst of a championship battle. Will they take my calls? That's the question. And I'm sure the answer is yes. These guys and girls that are in this category absolutely love it. Everybody is fired up. Now, I do another podcast. Many of you may or may not know WFO Radio and HRA Nitro has been going for 10 years and the winners win their way on the show. And in many ways, this podcast is a spinoff of that podcast. Hopefully you are subscribed to both. But sometimes we're going to hear from a factory stock racer in another capacity, and I will be able to move that audio over, and that's exactly what I'm going to do with Bo Butner, who won pro stock at the Amelie Motor Oil NHRA Gator Nationals. But at some point, the conversation turned to factory stock, and here's what Bo had to say. But I want to I want to segue now to the Samtech factory stock showdown, where as amazing as you're doing in pro stock, I don't know. You tell me, was that a humbling experience to run in the sevens and not qualify? Probably, probably me being not patient enough. I probably wasn't a hundred percent ready because I haven't got to go test like I want in that class. But we uh, we've completely. I mean, they they made some real changes. I have jumped in with two feet, older engines, blowers, converters, trainees, and then I'm going to go. What Daryl and I like to say is, we're going to go throw the trailer at it. I'm going to take everything I have and go spend a couple of days and test it. So 
uh, I, I need to be successful with it, uh, not only for myself and our crew, but I mean, some has put their name on it. So, uh, some is no joke. They, they want to win rounds. They want to win races. And that's what our goal is to do with that car. What do you think about the way the first race went? Not necessarily from your team's perspective, but as a class of drag racing in that everybody in the sevens for the most part, uh, unbelievable runs, the attention it got, like the hype factor. What do you think about race one? Well, I don't know if people's talk to you much about it, but these cars aren't the easiest to go from A to B. For one, you have to leave the starting line. And uh, I actually made a run testing and did not pull a parachute because I was kind of laughing at the guys. And you literally cannot stop these cars without a parachute. And that blows my mind with, with a stock eliminator-style car. But they have a lot of power. They, they really pull on the top end. Uh, I'm very happy. I mean, I think the Fords maybe had a slight advantage. But the Chevys run out of it, and then Leah goes out there and runs an 85. So MHR did a pretty good job. I think they might want to slow them all down. Maybe I think their goal is maybe to be an eight-second field or whatever. But uh, whatever it's going to be, I mean, dude, you got 32, 31 cars showing up for 16 spots. That's the way it needs to be, and that's the way Pro Stock used to be. Yeah, and they're real cars that people can relate to. And uh, I felt an energy out there. The fans uh, were loving it. And that final round was just spectacular. But a reduction of approximately 17% uh, supercharger overdrive for the Mustangs. The Camaros losing 10% from what I understand. And the the Challengers remain the same. So my guess is that's going to tighten some things up a little bit. What do you think? Uh, Good move? Right move? Exactly right? What do you think? Well, no. They'll never make the right move. It's just like ProMile. When you have so many different combinations... You can never get it perfect, but they're going in the right direction. And the problem I see is we're not going to be in these uh, a track like that of this atmosphere again this year. I mean, unless something crazy would happen in Charlotte and it'd be 70 degrees. But uh, I, I think the cars will slow up on their own, but they, they do need to try. I mean, that means they're trying. That means they care. So I'm very happy with that. Uh, it's going to be a good tight race. Uh, I think Leah had to pretty much make a perfect hit, as Kevin Helms told me to even get close to that, what she ran. So they, they've got their hands full to keep it, but we're going to keep working. And the team I'm with, uh, there, there's not too much. They can't put too much on us. So we're going to be successful or, or you won't see me in it. Right. And and Leah had a 115.60 foot. Off the top of my head, that was like one of the quickest 60 foots of the weekend and, uh, and was able to run that 85. So they're in the neighborhood, but everybody coming back. The 71 by Drew Skillman was just outrageous. And uh, you're saying the cars are hard to drive. You're not the first person to say that. Yeah, you have to. Uh, it's. I'm not saying it's, it's anything like a pro stock car to drive, but, I mean, you have to do your job, and you, then you have to keep it in the groove. I mean, uh, there, you saw a lot of close calls, and uh, you'll see more of that. Very exciting. I, I love the category. I love the class. I love the hype and the fact that everybody is interested and into it. Some people want to know, though, Bo, you're a Camaro guy in pro stock, and you're a Mustang guy in uh, in factory stock. Yes, I'm I'm very happy with, with, with both companies. Just as my dealerships, I saw absolutely everything made to man, and uh, I'm not specific to anything. Chevrolet has been great to me. I mean, above, above and beyond. Same way with Ford. I, a lot of people don't know I've been with Ford since 08, since these Mustangs kind of came out, and we raced a lot of stuff with them, but they, they've been great to us, and I want to win with both of them. But at the end of the day, Joe, uh, what we sit in is just a tool. So we have to do the best with what we got, and uh, everybody wants to win. He's right. Everybody wants to win, and that's what Samtech Factory Stock Showdown is all about. Real cars, factory cars, and we've heard from some Cobra Jet drivers, and we've heard from a Copo Camaro driver, and now it is time to hear from a drag pack challenger racer he used to run pro stock he is the cowboy and he joins us now not quite the first race he was looking for but he's going to tell us all about it joining us now mark powick he joins us now he drives a dodge challenger mark welcome to factory stock Mm -hmm. podcast how are you 
I'm great, Joe. Thank you for uh, having me on, and I'm looking forward to talking to the fans. I am thrilled. I am hoping that this category and class of racing has got a lot of people energized. Certainly at the Gator Nationals, it did. Quickest field ever, all in the sevens. Uh, you guys, in that final qualifying session, it appeared that you threw everything you could at it. Leah's hooked, yours turned the tire. Uh, summarize your event as you look back at the 50th Gator Nationals. Well, you hit the nail right on the head there, Joe. We obviously did not have the power that the Fords or the Chevys did, which was apparent the week before when we ran the NMCA race in um, Bradenton, Florida. The, over the winter, for you people that don't know, um, there was a new blower request by both Chevrolet and Ford, and they were both accepted. It added quite a bit of power to their cars. Uh, unfortunately, the Dodges did not get any increase in power, so it put us at a deficit coming into the season. And the only way that we felt we could qualify um, was to throw everything we could at it, just like you said, including the kitchen sink. Leah's car went down the track. She she killed the front half of the track. She was number one in 60 feet by a, a substantial amount, kind of fell down the page, which is an indicator of horsepower. There's something going on with my car. We've been struggling with it. Um, last year, we ran the same tune-up in both cars. They both went down the track. At Gainesville, we had the same tune-up in my car that was in Leah's cars. Hers got through there, but barely mine did not. So it was a very disappointing weekend for me. When I used to race professionally, ran pro stock, I loved Gainesville. It was always a fan favorite. It was always one of my favorite. You know, all the people would come down from the north because they got to get into the sunshine and, and get a break from the, the nasty winter weather. So the, uh, and being a 50th U.S. national, or I'm sorry, the 50th Gator nationals, um, I really wanted to qualify and run well though. And unfortunately I came up short. Ah, but you know, hearing the heartbreak in your voice tells me how important this is. And I think that is uh, mm-hmm. an added element to the whole uh, class and category. Leah's 60 foot. For those that don't know, it was like one fifteen. And for a 3,500-pound car to go 115, that was just nutso. And when she hooked up, it was very impressive to all people. So let me ask you real quick, Mark, just about the class and the category. But to follow up on this thread, um, I've heard some people attacking uh, just the, the general, the way the the, uh, the rules were implemented for 2019 with the superchargers and cubic inches for the Ford and a new supercharger for the Chevrolets. Did Dodge submit anything new? I, or are they expecting a whole new combination in the future? Or can you not tell us if that is true? Then obviously, uh, you know, don't give us any proprietary stuff. But I just want to know: was something submitted and rejected, or was nothing submitted? From what I was told, nothing was submitted. The reason being, they are working on a new car that is going to be a 2020 model drag pack. Um, got it. But we were also we also kind of got the feeling because then the NHRA has indicated several times they'd like to keep these cars around 80 790s in mine shaft conditions um and obviously they're running a lot faster than that now you know it, it's 3600 pound car basically on a nine inch tire and they are a handful i mean you know i last year i i had a relicense obviously because i hadn't raced in over 12 years in charlotte i drove leah's car monday after the race i'll tell you joe that thing really got my attention um, they are really cool cars. The fans can relate to them. And, um, you know, un- unfortunately, without Dodge submitting, it got us behind the eight ball. Got it. Got it. Well, and the rules makers, as uh, the people who listen to the first three editions of Factory Stock Podcast know, we're going to be very active. And right after the race, a new a tech- technical adjustment came out. So we are going to see a decrease in overdrive for the Fords and the Chevrolets, and you guys will remain the same. When you heard that, um, do you feel like you're going to be in a better spot come race two in Charlotte? I think we're going to be in a better spot. I still don't think we're going to have a parity in the class. Um, I, I I believe, you know, I'm not a I'm not really knowledgeable on blowers. I was always a naturally aspirated carburetor guy. I really don't know how much um, difference the pulley sizes are going to make. I've heard some stories about how much power it was. I don't know if they're true or not. If what I heard is true, um, they're still going to have substantially more power than us, meaning the Fords. I think the Chevys and us and the Dodges are going to probably be fairly competitive now, but I still think the Fords are going to have an advantage on both of us. 
Interesting. And and it feels like we're in many ways back to the weight break days where, you know, there's a little politicking going on for good or for bad. Uh, but in the end, we'll know after Charlotte and we'll see what the conditions are. And I have I have no doubt that they will uh, hammer them more if they need be to try to keep things uh, equal. Now, you mentioned 80790. Boy, we saw 771 and it was the crowd was going nuts and people were going crazy. I feel like the all seven second number. Like, I don't know. It's just me. Dating back to your pro stock days, seven ninety nine is very quick, and eight zero zero is not so. Even though it's just a hundredth of a second away, what do you think about the big seven second number? Oh, it's definitely fast, and I agree with you to go to that milestone. But you know, now that these changes were made, the seven seventy record that's that's obviously out there is probably never going to be touched again because they pulled power away from the cars. Not to say that you know maybe through hard work, et cetera, cars start running that fast again. But, you know, we're very limited on what we're allowed to do with these cars because they are considered a factory stock car. So it's not like pro stock where, you know, you continue when we ran carburetors, continue to tweak carburetor size, gear ratios, transmission ratios. We can do things like that, transmission ratio, gear ratios, converters. But as far as engine development, you know, we're very limited on what we're allowed to do. And, I just I think it's great that we had an all seven second field. I thought it was really awesome last year when you know Leah and I both ran in the sevens in St. Louis. I, I ran a little bit quicker than her um, because I think that was a real milestone for the class. But you also you know once you start getting towards that seven sixty seven fifty mark, the rules change. If you go faster than seven fifty, um, you have to actually have a complete tube chassis car so if if they go that fast then it kind of changes the whole complexity of class yes and that is something that most people that have been following along and sharing their opinion with me do not want david barton said flat out like hey that 750 number's coming up quick man we got to slow it down and uh if this is the case look we i think we all want close racing wheels up as much as possible and let it play out on the track and uh, hopefully we will get that. All right, let me ask you about your your team and your car and the scheme change and all of that. You guys are very excited here for 2019. The results of the first race notwithstanding, we got seven more races, and you're in a new look, kind of a throwback tribute look. I heard the name Sox and Martin thrown out there, and uh, I got to say, it looks great. Thank you, Joe. Well, you know, I was a big fan of, of Ronnie Sox and Buddy Martin. Um, I was hoping to see Buddy in Gainesville, but... I'm I'm trying to bring the class to the forefront with, you know, the fans to go back to the old pro stock days because this is kind of what this class is, the throwback for pro stock. And just decided to come up with a paint scheme through some suggestions, including my son and daughter, um, to do something different this year. And I really like my paint scheme I had last year, but I've gotten a tremendous amount of compliments from the car the way it is this year, being like an old Sox and Martin throwback and, and – I think it's just a way if we can, you know, there's a lot of nice cars out there. A lot of them are all red. A lot of them are all white, whatever the case may be. And, and we and I obviously want to do something different to bring more attention to the class and to sponsors that we have on board and, of course, for Dodge. Absolutely. And there, there is the, the scale of numbers that uh, Ford and Chevrolet seem to have against the Dodges. Uh, you guys, plus Alan Johnson, a uh, couple others carrying the Dodge flag. But it is, it's got to be a double-edged sword, right? You get most of the attention from the factory, but at the same time, you can only try so many things on the couple of cars. You're right. And, you know, I'm, I'm very surprised more people didn't build Dodges, especially the way our cars ran last year. And, and we'll be back. You know, we, we've, they've got to need to make some adjustments. And if, if we can make some changes and possibly get a, a new blower with a new car or whatever, it will get us back in, in the mix again. But I'm just kind of surprised the old direct connection days, you know, Dodge, Plymouth, they were very popular brands. And I'm kind of surprised that there aren't more racers running Dodges. They do have parts available. Um, you know, people say that Don Schumacher throws all this money at it and they're competing with a big team, and that's not what happens at all. It, it's run very economically. You know, we have a good crew chief and, and Kevin Helms. Um, he does a great job, and, and Terry Snyder's crew guy, and my son helps on my car, and Leah and I, and that's pretty much all there is in the program. As a teammate, Leah has been very helpful. She's, she offered to stay Monday after Gainesville to drive my car to see if we could figure out what was going on with it. Um, and we've got a very well-rounded 
team that really wants to do well and help each other, which makes it very fun and very exciting for me as a, as a racer to be involved in. Excellent. So it sounds like confidence is still high in spite of one race. Yeah, disappointing, but it's still pretty high. We found some stuff wrong in my car. Um, we're going to try to obviously test before Charlotte. Hopefully it'll be fixed. So at least we can go into Charlotte, um, you know, being more competitive. Um, I will tell you that I was I was right behind Leah when she ran the 85 Saturday morning, and I was really shocked that that number came up. I didn't think we could run that fast. She just made an absolutely perfect run. Yeah, well, once... but I I figured 89.90 would be about as fast as she could go. Yeah, no, we were all floored. We were floored. Like got all of it, and that's uh, you know Kevin Helms making it happen, and something in your car maybe a you know a pound off here or there, weight balance, who knows? But uh, it just didn't hook up, and you rotated the earth like a you know like a top fuel car. You lit those tires up. Well, we had no choice. We knew that if we were marginal, we wouldn't get in the show. You know, we had to go for it, and and I knew that going in. And, um, but we did find hopefully some things wrong in the rear suspension that might've helped contribute to us blowing the tires off like it did. Cause it actually did it twice there. And we've never had that problem before. We ran the same tune up in both cars last year and they both always went right down the racetrack. Interesting. Interesting. Well, Mark, I appreciate you making time for factory stock podcast. Love the category. I love the fact that you are so into it as well. Everybody that we have spoken with here on the show has been, uh, you know, like a, like a kid in a candy store, so to speak, reconnecting with the roots of the sport, reconnecting with the factories, real cars that are easily identifiable. And I got to tell you, every time I'm sitting next to a challenger, uh, on the highway or at a stoplight, I can't help but think about, uh, your car, El Bandito and the cars that I'm seeing in factory stock showdown. So it's definitely working. I hope the fans and I know the fans are enjoying it as well. I just wish you best of luck out there in Charlotte and uh, get into the mix and battle it out. We're sure going to try, Joe. I do really appreciate you having me on. I also would like to thank Brian Massengale and the people at Sam's. You know, they've, they've put a lot of time and effort into developing this class. And I do believe it's a class of the future. I think it has a lot of potential. The amount of fans that come up to me both as you know, being a, a pro stock racer years ago, and then just talking about how cool this class is and how they can relate to it. I think there's a lot of potential here. And the biggest thing of all, as you know, is all three of the major manufacturers are involved. And, and that, that just speaks tremendously of, of the opportunities that I think are available in this factory stock class. Win on Sunday, sell on Monday. Mark, thank you so much. Thanks for coming on Factory Stock Podcast. Thank you, Joe. Very nice talking to you. Thanks, Mark. Mark Powett with us here on Factory Stock Podcast. To follow his story, subscribe, and you will hear constant updates on what's going down with that team. And I liked hearing him talk about the way people perceive DSR and what's going on over there. And that is just another area we are going to delve into as we get closer to Charlotte. And the way this podcast was initially conceived, there was going to be one before and after each event. Well, you can imagine this is the fourth episode. We have already exceeded that by twice over, and we're going to try to really do as much as we can, as often as we can, based on subscriptions and interest and all of that. So subscribe, rate, review on Apple Podcasts. If you're a Google Play person, you know, there's Podcast Addict. That is an app. There are other third-party apps that will work on your Android, but we are now focused on getting up on Google Play and Stitcher and those other applications where people get their podcasts. But the fact of the matter is that Apple Podcast goes out to other platforms as well. You just got to be into it. And a lot of people have iPhone and Apple and Apple Podcasts, and they have, what is it called? It's called an iPod. They've got those too. People are still listening on iPod as well. But we have gotten many reviews, and we've had a lot of people interested, and I want to thank you. And I know we've got a lot of people listening in Detroit, and I want to thank you, people who work on these cars. Joe at WFO Radio is my email address. I encourage you to email me your thoughts, concepts, ideas, and opinions. They could be on the record or they could be off the record as we are trying to really dig deep and focus on what's going on in this sport. There's a lot of strategies like Ford and Chevrolet are flooding the market. They've got a lot of cars out there. Dodge has fewer cars. And the way that the category is being utilized as a promotional activity or a way to sell parts, all of these things, these are all areas of interest and concern to many people. So I highly encourage everybody to 
Keep us informed with what your preferred storylines are as the season develops. Race one in the books, Drew Skillman and the Blue Oval coming out on top. We are going to focus as Charlotte gets closer on many new storylines that are erupting in the class. If this is your first edition that you have heard, go to Apple Podcasts, subscribe, listen to the four episodes that are available they will all offer renewed insight from the start through the rules change what people thought what people will think you will get it all on factory stock podcast big thanks to our guests of course brian massengill from the school of automotive machinists and technology david barton who tells us the inside story to that horrific crash but Camaro took it real well. He will have the same car in Charlotte. That is kind of cool. Working on some things. And the boost numbers. David didn't seem so upset about it that they're not going to lean on it as hard. And maybe some other things will live. Mark Powick, Bo Butner, and of course, congratulations to the man, Drew Skillman, picking up the win. The first race of the season, getting the job done, and will probably hold that national slash world record for a long, long time. That's going to do it. Thanks to everyone who participates behind the scene to put this show together. We greatly appreciate it. Remember, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Factory Stock Podcast will be back soon with our next episode as we get ready for the next race at ZMAX Dragway, the Bellagio of drag strips, doing a little Factory Stock Showdown. Thanks a lot, everybody. Music by Clearside. Start your education at full speed with the School of Automotive Machinists and Technology. Accelerate your career as a high-performance engine builder with classroom instruction and practical hands-on experience in the lab, on the dyno, and at the track. In addition to the block head and CNC programs, Sam now offers motorsport EFI tuning and an Associates of Applied Science degree. And Sam is a military-friendly school, approved to train veterans and other eligible persons under the GI Bill. Start your education at full speed. Go to samtech.edu today.